Normally, we would take a look at the uh, grain side first, but there's actually some positives happening there. We unfortunately do have to focus on what is going on in this livestock market, and, and the picture is not beautiful. Expanded limits taking place on the trade today, and we're pushing those on the day as we get comments today coming to us from Sam Hudson. Sam is with Corn Belt Marketing, and Sam, you look at these numbers, and my heart just breaks for these cattle producers. Expanded limits, I mean, close to locked limit down on the trade. Feeder cattle are just downright ugly. Let's look. What are you seeing? What are you hearing as you talk to folks? Well, I think there was a, a little bit of, uh, you know, guarded optimism going into today. I think that, you know, the fact that we saw equity limit up here overnight this morning going into the 830 hour before they opened up circuit breakers again offered, you know, a little bit of euphoria, but shortly after we opened up the livestock markets, they all opened green. Um, I think what we saw today was the the fallout of these uh, sports cancellations. You know, if you think about the amount of protein demand that would have been in the barrel here for the next 30 to 45 days, uh, you know, all these end users, all these vendors, you know, what are they doing with the supply now? You've canceled Mark Madness, you've canceled all these high school events, uh, and obviously the pro teams are just alike. Now, keep in mind, uh, a lot of, you know, these have been labeled indefinite, but I don't think that'll be the case yet. The hope here is that, you know, 45 to 60 days or 90 days out, we can be back to at least uh, some level of normalcy. Uh, but in that void of uncertainty, uh, you know, that self-first ask questions later mentality comes back out again uh, and is able to push things to the limit. And that means when we have the Major League Baseball come back into, into play, we're going to be eating a lot of steak on a stick maybe. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be, a, you know, you're not going to be moving a lot of hot dogs and burgers here in the short term. But, you know, what happens with that inventory, how quickly it backs up, how long it lasts, that's going to be, you know, the big question here. You know, are producers going to want to get away from this situation or are they going to want to kind of hold off and see if it can get better? Uh, and will we see weights rise? You know, how quickly does the demand come back? What do we see uh, in the export market in the meantime? There was some uh, some discussion today and some words thrown out there about, uh, you know, interstate commerce and even, you know, border security and, and that type of thing going on and when you throw those possibilities out there of restricting trade after what we've already seen and after all these cancellations and the pandemic labeling uh you know this is just the fallout of that and, and when, once the money you know the dust settles and the money gets out uh, hopefully we can find some sort of stability well you know we saw in the last cold storage report how full it was i can't imagine what it's like now yeah, and that, and that becomes the, the short-term problem. And we saw port, net port cancellations this week, actually, to China. We continue to see, you know, our year-on-year number look pretty good. But, you know, the fact that the cash prices aren't able to, to rise in this, the U.S. producer was very equipped and, and, and you know, well-handed in, in terms of meeting, you know, this increase in demand that we were looking at of, in the face of ASF. And now with this virus, it's basically put everything, uh, you know, swung it back the other way. And, uh, you know, China, unfortunately, it puts a lot more leverage in, in their lap at this point, unfortunately, from what I'm seeing, uh, because their manufacturing is starting to come back online. Uh, you know, yes, their cases are decreasing, but keep in mind, they had 70 plus million people locked down uh, in a very different look here in the U.S. thus far. As today has, has progressed, we continue to see the f- falling numbers. We've got a weekend to kind of digest everything. What can we hope for come the start of Monday's trade? I think a lot of this comes down to, you know, a certain degree of politics, but let's face it, you know, a lot of these sporting events aren't, they're not going to reverse on this Monday and say, okay, everything's going to be okay now. So I, I think what we got to look for now is, 
you know, stay away from this credit crunch. I think a lot of this, uh, you know, liquidation we've seen, a lot of people have been looking for safe havens. You know, is it going to be the gold? Is it going to be currencies? Where is it going to be? And we've continued to see a lot of things just get battered. Gold, you know, just getting hammered again today. Uh, and I think this is a reflection of how content people were in the equity markets. A lot of leverage position, leverage length there. And the only way to stay ahead of it is to continue selling, uh, you know, other hard assets in order to hold your position or to get to the sidelines. Looking at uh, what can we do here? I mean, we know that with all the coronavirus, everything being canceled, folks are wanting to co-mingle with people, per se, you know, in restaurants. So they're going to take a hit as well. And I'm sure that's breathing down the back of the necks of, the, of this cattle market and the hog market. Absolutely. And in the short term, it, you know, it's an interesting dynamic because you, you see food flying off the shelves. Uh, but keep in mind, just because people go out there and buy them doesn't mean they're taking that directly home and grilling it all of it up. You know, it's going into the freezer. Typically, when you eat at home, you don't eat as much of those better meats and stuff like that, too. Uh, it kind of gets commingled in some other things. And, you know, you know uh, to boot, if people are sick, you tend to eat less, too. So I think this is a fear factor kind of hitting the, the spike uh, but we hope it can subside here sometime within the next week. But I think what uh, the White House does, uh, what we see in stimulus, I think some of this is all going to have, uh, you know, an impact on what things look like this time next week. So talk to the cattle producer and the pork producer out there as they look at their profits continuing to dwindle away. How do they try to focus on the positive? Uh, you know, I think you have to relate to, you know, what what you know. And what you know is, you know, when when how long can you keep the animals out there? Uh, how long is it right to do that, I, I think, is the question I have right now. Because I, the immediate tendency is to not want to take a loss. But, you know, the risk you run is, is cash prices continue to fall. And, you know, they're kept on the hoof. And, and all the while, you know, the feed has to keep coming. And I think that's one thing to think about as we kind of shift the focus over back to the grains is, you know, what is this going to, what kind of impact is this going to have on feed demand? So for the producer, you know, if you got hedges, you got to leave the hedges on. I think the challenge in here becomes, you know, the discount and premiums we can see to futures in the cash market when we don't know which one's going to bottom first. At this point, I have to believe the futures are going to put the bottom in first. Uh, but like I said, you got to get this panic away from from us first. And so the best thing we could do is let's just go out and, and make those purchases and, and why not treat ourselves? We're not going to go to the restaurants mm-hmm. to eat. Let's do something at home and, and find a way to help out these these livestock producers. Yeah, it's definitely probably a good call at this point. Uh, you know, you don't want to take the situation too lightly, in my opinion. Um, I do think there's a lot of hype in it, and it's like anything. The truth is going to be somewhere there in between. Uh, from a marketing standpoint, like I said, you just got to stick with what you know. Uh, an example on that for corn basis is good. Keep moving stuff. Uh, don't get caught with a lot of cash inventory. Even if it means you have to wait to repurchase, to refill, you know, maybe it's better to get away from it now to know where you stand instead of having that, you know, continually moving target coming in and out of these weekends with gaps all over the chart and all the uncertainty with politics. And speaking of, we're going to come back. We're going to take a look at what's happening on the grain side of the trade. We do know that there was a purchase to South Korea from a corn perspective. We'll also look at what we're going to see with some big reports coming up here at month end. It is the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. We took a look at what was happening on the livestock side, and we know that the cattle and the hogs really took it hard in the trade. On the grain front, Sam, as the Sam Hudson, by the way, continues to join us with Corn Belt Marketing. We have tried to push to some positives. We know that corn has had some ebbs and flows, but looking at it, at least we got some good news. It wasn't a lot, but there was some corn sold to South Korea. Yeah, and, and you know, we've continued to have one of the cheaper, and, you know, always, of course, good quality supplies. I, I think we got quality problems more so in the northern Corn Belt. Our export market probably isn't going to deal with that quite as much, at least right now. 
Um, you know, and it's good to see the sales and our export number this week on corn is good. Uh, I think that continues to gradually improve. Uh, and, and though it is above, you know, the, the pace to hit the USDA's target, uh, all these questions are now arising on feed demand. And even though our export market could be picking some of that up, what are we losing in feed demand here down the road? So um, it's just kind of a domino effect. As one card falls, you have to kind of look at the, the next ones on down the line. And seeing a little bit of green on the screen today, um, I did also hear a rumor that uh, the China may have offered a list uh, of ethanol companies that would be approved to make purchases from, um, but this is just no different than what we've seen in terms of these export waivers. Just because they're issued or or said, hey, give, you know, given the okay or green light, doesn't mean a, any business is done. So I think that's going to continue to be at least in the trade's mind. But man, we really need to see some evidence to to make a market turn, and we need to consider ethanol margins at this point now too. On top of this. Uh, and corn base is still remaining quite firm, you know, I, I got to believe that we could continue to, you know, see some of these ethanol plants slow down if nothing changes. And that's going to be a huge effect to some of these rural economies. Absolutely. You know, we already had an uphill battle as it was going into this year. Uh, and now, you know, we're looking at big acres here at the end of the month. You know, what, what other crops are going to be put in the ground besides corn and beans? So we're, we're staring down the barrel, you know, 175 to 180 million acres being planted again. South American crops, I don't know if they're going to get a lot larger. I really do think the second crop corn plantings could decrease. I think Argentina corn crop could be trimmed a little bit. But on the whole, you're still going to have enough supplies, especially with the demand outlook, the way it's looking. Uh, and, and the big question is who's going to be first in, in line to, to supply China. And if they want to use their leverage at this point, you know, they stick it out another three months. It, things can continue to be uh, kind of rough here. Speaking of end of month, uh, some excitement. Could we see build and maybe put some positives into this trade with what we see in the planning intentions report? Well, I think just the fact that we have a number coming in itself, you know, sometimes you get a, a market overdone and, you know, there's, you know, government data coming. Sometimes you get, uh, you know, the shorts just want to cover and get out of the way regardless of what they really think is even going to happen. So I think something like that could play out here with uh, if you get markets a little too oversold. Uh, w- one of the bright spots or, or possibilities for, uh, you know, a positive surprise would be if we see any uh, of these revisions from the Dakotas, if they make any, you know, adjustments to the stock figures, everyone thinks those could kind of, you know, be a little bit lower, including myself. My worry is that it, it typically takes the USDA so long to adjust that number, but by the time we get to it and make that uh, make that adjustment, you could cut demand 150 or 200 million at the same time, and it doesn't even make a wave. So uh, that becomes a concern here. Demand is still driving the ship, and unfortunately, uh, the ship's not going the right way this week. Oh, definitely not. And of course, then you got to throw in the fact that we kind of easily forget that there's still a lot of crop in the ground up to the north, and how that's going to have an effect long term. Well. Yeah, and, and I also have to believe, keep in mind, we're going to print whatever acres numbers we print here at the end of the month. It probably won't be put in the ground. I, I think we're inevitably going to see some more prevent plant this year, as well as it is across some areas later that it could end up being with crops still in the field in some areas. But I uh, can't sit here and assume that it'll even hold a light to what we saw in 2019 and with world supply is ample. You know, there again, when do we find that out? You know, you're talking June, you're talking, you know, after that time frame. So the second, third, or excuse me, the third and fourth quarters could actually end up being quite interesting uh, for the Board of Trade, depending on how this whole thing shakes out uh, with coronavirus. And, and don't forget the oil war, too, going on in the background. Part of the reason we're seeing so much, uh, you know, pressure on the energies. Yeah, who would ever thought we'd be paying less than $2 a gallon on gasoline in March? And when that happens, it gets tougher and tougher to get that ethanol into the blend, uh, you know, with, with the prices being so cheap as it is. And obviously, the EPA hasn't done us any favors along the road there. I think there's reason for optimism there, potentially from a legislative standpoint, but it could end up being election, uh, an election chip, if anything, after August. What about the struggle that we continue with the soybeans? Are we going to find 
a light at the end of the tunnel and hopefully not it's a locomotive? Well, you know, we, we had a pretty good run of sales there uh, into the end of the year, kind of started to taper off. And now we look at, the, you know, the sales pace just continues to widen out versus what the USDA is expecting. And I believe after this week's unchanged data, this is where it gets tough here, is that, you know, we're now more than 300 million bushels behind pace. Now, China can change that pretty quick, but if they keep their foot off the gas for another 30, 60 days, all of a sudden, get down the road here and we realize, well, even if we don't believe in the bean stocks or the yield from last year, whatever you want to call it, uh, there's just no, no no room for any demand increases until we actually see it. If anything, there's room for cuts. And this is a double-edged sword because we also have to keep in mind if China does decide to come back, USDA hasn't really baked any of that demand in. So the balance sheet could really see some big swings. I mean, you could see us go from 425 to maybe 600 plus or drop it to 250 if they decide they want to step up and make some purchases sometime along the way here. Lots of things to look at and think about. Sam, what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? Uh, call your 800 number, 800-655-3380 or www.cornbeltmarketing.com. And, of course, on Twitter as well. At Samuel B. Hudson. All right, that's the Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle and all the local dealers. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options do involve substantial risk of loss and are not suitable for all investors. Pick this up as a podcast at ruralradio.com or wherever you subscribe. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network.